0: Hi, I'm Leslie Adamas, and welcome to Race Forward, a weekly podcast on God and race relations. This is a progressive, faith filled conversation that will anger you, encourage you, and equip you. Thanks again for joining us today. You picked a great day to listen in. Here is my friend and the host of Race Forward, Pastor Chuck Allen.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Race Forward God and Race Relations, this episode is coming to you as we pick up from last week a log in your eye. Jesus tells the story that we shouldn't be looking at other people and the speck of dust that's in their eye while we may have a telephone pole sticking out of ours. And so as we pick that up, it's kind of fun for us to look at the different stereotypes that we represent. So I'm the old, fat, white guy. And then we got Mal Meneses, my buddy, who is Latino. And is certainly, like uh, the brownest brown guy I know, yeah. and then and then we, we got Karan, the young African American guy. And honestly, if you were to see the picture of the three of us right now, you would have some stereotypical picture of who we are, what we think, and what we do. I'll guarantee you, because we all have it. So now, give us a uh, give us something that's a stereotype about your culture that you just know it's probably just not true, but it's there, it it exists.
0: Man, Latino culture is so incredibly huge. I mean, you're talking that more than 60% of the countries in this continent, the American continent are Latino, but uh, everybody thinks that we're all Mexican. I I, believe in my heart is Mexican, my blood is Salvadorian, but everybody thinks that we all love hot salsa, Everybody thinks that we all love tacos. Everybody thinks that we all love to dance the hat dance. And and it's not true. You have Venezuelans. You have Colombians. You have Brazilians. You have yeah, Ecuadorians. And th- just don't do that stuff. Okay, and,
1: but now just for the record, I've eaten tacos with you.
0: <laughs> yes, you have. And they are and delicious. And they were good. <laughs> oh, man, I love you <laughs> some no tacos. With no lettuce. That's right. No shredded cheese, no lettuce. No. I love you some tacos, bro. But that is a stereotype,
1: though. But not everybody, right?
0: And not, not everybody. everybody goes. Ki-ki-ki-ki-ki! Every time they, you know, talk to their wife or whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah. That's one you I, know what? I
2: wish. I wish would happen.
1: I wish you could have seen his face when he did that. That was <laughs> worth it. Quran, are there any? Because this is this is a foolish question. All right, but are there any stereotypes out there in the African American community that just aren't
2: true? Oh, all, all of them.
1: I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I'm just I said kidding. that with tongue firmly in cheek, but honestly, there are some out there that are just ridiculous.
2: Yeah, bro. Yeah. So here's one for you. Uh, they say white man can't jump, but black man can't swim. And I am a black male that will find his way out of the water very easily. It doesn't matter if it's the ocean, the lake, the pond, the pool or whatever. Like I, I can swim. All right. And, and I'm good with it
1: well just for the record the other part of that where white men can't jump I can prove that's true but did you know my wife who played division one volleyball had a 36 inch vertical Ooh. think about Man, that she
2: was jumping there she, she was da- beastly she's doing beastly. what they say jumping out the gym.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now you know, I can jump out of my chair on the way to the fridge, but that's about it. You <laughs> that's know?
2: what on calf muscles came from. I know uh, you guys I know
1: my audience here, they don't they don't really understand it, but you said this in a conversation you and I had with somebody the other day, and Mal, you you weren't on the call, but Karan actually identified me. With this new friend on the phone saying that Chuck has the best calf muscles on our staff. Hey, I wasn't That's there,
0: facts. but I, I'll agree to that. Absolutely, man. That's Absolutely. Facts. Do you okay, save your Chuck-
1: legs? I want our <laughs> listeners to understand this one thing. all right <laughs> that is wrong that I got two men looking at my calf muscles and that ain't right. I'm Man, telling you that do, ain't right.
0: Do you, do you shave them Chuck? Because they look I mean they, they all look right we're moving shiny. on now <laughs> <is> smooth, <laughs> We that are moving
1: on now. Last week, we started on a conversation about <laughs> cultural hindrances that keep people from coming to the table of racial reconciliation, and it got really good. I mean, mm-hmm. the convo got pretty serious. This week, let's revisit the same discussion, and let's try to offer some advice to our folks, our listeners, that are specific hindrances. So, Quran, uh, get us started and bring us back to where we were so we can pick up where we left off.
2: Oh, for sure. Yo, so check this out. I, I mentioned last week, like how some hindrances within African-American culture is that us versus them mentality and the bitterness and the anger there. Uh, And then I kind of breezed over like our organization and financial literacy. And so this week, I just kind of wanted to unpack that a little bit of what mm. I meant by that statement. So like. Um, there is a ton of organizations out there, right, that are fighting for uh, black lives to be uh, treated, valued, and seen as equal as all other lives in America. There are a ton of organizations that are fighting against black on black crime and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But with all these organizations, it's hard for us to be organized in our approach to fighting for equality. Okay, wait a minute, that's
1: worth a timeout right there. That statement is worth the price of admission because I think you have just hit the nail with the head right Mm -hmm. there. I mean, your head hit the nail. And what's great about the statement is the disorganization of trying to organize has created a great deal of backlash that in many times I think is unwarranted toward the people that are trying to make a real difference.
2: Without question, and and what I see, man, is that when 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 the community rallies together and say, okay, let's do something like uh, boycott businesses, right? Right what in the world like that shit back in the day that was something when when king and the boys said look we boycotting the buses yeah that happened you know what i'm saying it wasn't it wasn't a conversation with the next man with the next man trying to convince him it was everybody was organized to fight in this same front and but right now i feel like everybody is kind of trying to throw their own punches and are calling out Other uh, other organizations as y'all ain't doing this right, so y'all ain't doing what we doing, so you ain't doing it right, and nobody's getting on the same boat. Well, let me ask
1: you a question, actually, to both of you, but I I think this is really true in uh, in my world, right? And in my like sixty year old white guy in ministry, uh, I know this is true in my world. My generation was the first generation that stopped allowing heroic people to be heroes. You know, it's like yeah. uh, we we decided that we all wanted our own brand, our own name. We wanted to yeah. all be our own hero. So we yeah. stopped letting heroic people be our hero because we thought that we needed to have all the press. And so right. it feels like the world is missing the Dr. Kings of the world or the mm-hmm. Billy Grahams of the world. Where yeah. we, we seem to be missing the Margaret Thatchers of the world. You know what right. I mean? Uh, yeah. And I, I look at that and I think, like, where are the Nelson Mandela's of this generation?
2: Yeah. And it's and those people, man, are so vital because they bring out the unity in the fight. Right now, we got a whole bunch of different disunity and it's not really doing us that good of a justice oh. because any naysayer can be like, well, because your people are doing this on right. one front. What you're doing don't matter, and that's not true. Like everybody yeah. is, everybody's not coming at it with the same because we tend to we, we
1: tend to live in a world now. And Mal, I want to hear this. I want to I want to ask you a question in a minute that I think is mm. significant, but uh, to kind of put a period on that one last phrase, Quran is we love to paint with a brush that goes from far left to far far right and assume everything is painted in one big swipe. And the problem is. Uh, I believe 90% of the people that are in between the 5% of radicals on either side, 90% of the people are trying to do good things the right way, Mm -hmm. but because we live in such a ridiculously binary society that we just paint everybody with one big brush. And it kind of goes back to the original conversations about stereotypes. So uh, what happens is we, we paint Black Lives Matter, the statement, with what we happen to see on whatever our favorite commercial is or whatever our favorite Mm -hmm. news organization is, instead of just saying, okay, how about those three words, black lives matter, you know? Facts. Now, here's a question for you that, um, and honestly, I say, I ask the question out of ignorance. It's not a teaser. So I can think of people like Dr. King. Uh, I can think of people like Abraham Lincoln. I can think about people like... uh, uh, Frederick Douglass, I can I can think about the Margaret Thatchers in the world or the Winston Churchills. I can think of him in the Hispanic world. You know, the weird thing is, growing up as a kid, I was never taught about great Latino leaders, and yet history would reveal that there's a ton of heroic leaders out there in Latino world. But somehow, how do how do we engage uh, my generation and younger generations, whether they're black? brown, white, whatever, the fact that we have—the world has been bettered by great Latino leaders as well. We just—we seem to not know who they are.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I, I think that that only comes from a personal interest to really invest time in learning about the other culture. And and that's one of the responsibilities I feel that uh, should be part of the church culture, um, you know, and, and church should reflect what our community looks like, and, and our communities are full of different colors. And of course, as you know, a, a lot of Latinos, and there are huge leaders like Roberta Menchu. She 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 had the Nobel Pri- the Peace Prize uh, several years ago. She was from Guatemala. She's an indigenous from um, rural areas in Guatemala, and man, she spoke a great deal uh, for our culture. But uh, I feel it comes from the the school system, and it comes from education that people just don't have that initiative. When when you're taught, and I'm, I'm experiencing this with my kids, uh, world geography, world history, there is nothing really taught about Latin America, and and hey man, I, there's a great deal of information to be known. I mean, these are yeah. cultures that go hundreds of years back. You know? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and
1: That's so true. I look at these hindrances, and many of them are grounded in stereotypical understanding. Like, uh, I didn't answer the question about stereotypes for, for white folks, but I believe one of the hindrances to white people coming to the table is uh, the disease of terminal certainty. Like, Mm -hmm. we are so certain we know, but the problem Mm -hmm. is we don't know. Uh, And Mm -hmm. the recognition that I don't know what it's like to walk like a brown man through America. I don't know what it's like to walk like a black man through America, but I'm so terminally certain that I do that I start making assumptions, and those assumptions will inevitably lead you to a sinful path of poor understanding. I believe that with all my heart. So when I look at that, I think to myself— if I could give the advice to white Americans in regard to moving racial reconciliation forward, suspend your terminal certainty. Suspend mm. the belief that you think you know and have a willingness to not just listen, but be aggressive. Like I all of a sudden in this conversation now, I want to go understand immigration on the
0: border even more yes. so than I do today. Yes absolutely Mm -hmm. man and and, and again is that intentionality uh to to really find out what's going on in our world you know we can't be encapsulated just because things look better over here you don't know if things are really better if you you know don't look at the other side of the fence literally yeah you know there's no perspective if if you're not interested in looking at things from over there i can tell you food is better
2: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, i bet that's true yeah i bet that's true Chuck, you said something last week, man. It really had me just scratching my head uh, all week. And you said that you heard a young lady say looting is our reparations. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, like and and if that don't hit on what I mean by financial literacy is one of those things that hinder black people from coming to the table. Uh for example, like By and large, you know, we've been crippled in our understanding of what to do with the money that we have and and how to build generational wealth that produces that kind of influence, whether that influences politically, whether that influences in your neighborhoods. Um, But truthfully speaking, the people who make humongous strides to change things in culture, regardless of what culture, they are people who have influence and a lot of those people have a lot of money, right? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, yeah. uh-huh. there's no, there's no mystery that the African American population in America is low socioeconomic. Uh-uh. Right. And, um, what I know to be true is there's not been a single conversation growing up in my households about financial literacy in my boys' household about financial literacy, but now we do life with white people all the time and we learning about things like investing and stock market and yada, yada. I'm yeah. like, we didn't grow up talking about what the Dow Jones doing yeah. or what's going yeah. on. Yeah, you know, is. I grew,
1: I grew up in a house where I knew every day what the market was. You
0: know, yeah, yeah. that's
2: cra- and that's crazy to yeah, me because I don't even I can't even tell was... you.
0: Go ahead, go ahead, man. <laughs> no, but I was just gonna say it was just a little joke here for us. Four hundred one k was like four hundred one k.
2: You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And so look, I bring this up though on on the real like I I know I'm saying financial literacy and people like what does money have to do with it. But to be real, if we go all the way back to slavery, that was a financial mm. decision made right. for for mm. white folks. That's right. If we go all the way back to Jim Crow and banks, what the banks wanted to do with their money in in redlining, it that was, was all a financial. financial decision. Absolutely. Financial decision. And so, like when we look at right now, man, like we talk about the black people who quote unquote make it, and I'm doing air quotes with my fingers you're talking about the ones like the Jay Z's and the Dr. Dre's and and people who have a wealth of influence because they have a whole lot of money. Most of us, most of the rest of us are just thinking about what can we do to make it day by day. So that financial uh, literacy is not really a thing.
1: I got to tell you though, in that, in that regard, I want to encourage our listeners to, uh, find a friend of mine, Joe Sangles' website. I once was And, um, it is a it is full of free tools to help anybody and everybody be able to build a budget and determine how to a get out of debt and b how to budget wisely and c how to learn to invest so that you can build generational wealth. It's free. So much of it is free, and uh, we'll be sure to drop some of that in the show notes so that you can be able to capture that. But. I would encourage our listeners to jump over there. Joe is one of the greatest guys, and he has an incredible service uh, to people. But, you know, I'm, I'm reminded, Quran, that uh, Jesus' brother James said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. If mm-hmm. I were to give advice to uh, any of our listeners, black, brown, white, whatever, I think my advice would be, that uh, there, is, there is wisdom found in godly counsel. Mm. And uh, I feel like I could come to either one of you guys and I could say, could you drop some wisdom into my life that would make my life and my family better? And both of you offer that. And yeah. what's interesting is I, I wouldn't come to Quran just for advice on, hey man, tell me what a black guy thinks. So I would come to you to say, hey, as a friend, what can I do that is better? I feel like I get it. I go to Mao. It's not because I want to talk to him because he's a Latino man. I want to talk to him because he's my friend. So it kind of comes back to, you know, as we try to wrap this episode up a little bit, this concept uh, that I know is big in your, in in your heart, Quran, is that um, how are we driven by humility? Humility Mm -hmm. says we're willing to ask. Humility says we're going to suspend terminal certainty. Humility says I'm not going to be stopped by stereotypes. Uh, Humility says that there there is great wisdom found in all of God's creation, and I'm to seek that out. So help us kind of wrap our head around this. How do we get people to the table in a spirit of humility?
2: Yeah, so to have the mind of Christ, man, is to consider others more... Highly than yourself or not not highly, but consider consider the other person before yourself. And so, like, when it comes to that, if I am going to value my brothers and sisters, I am going to see that what they say matters. I'm going to see that the way that they live matters and I'm going to position myself to be of an assistance to that. And so humility, a lot of times, isn't thinking about yourself as less, but thinking about yourself Less, And so when you try to uh, become strategized or organized, you are walking in a place of humility saying that you will submit yourself to a a leader, even if you feel like you want to do something different, you will submit yourself to that. And Mm. so I'm reminded of in First uh, Chronicles chapter 12, where they talked about like the 200 leaders of the sons of Issachar, how they understood Mm. the times and they knew how to respond. There's 200 mm. leaders there. They all think differently, but they're all responding the same way because they understand the times. And then let me just throw this out there for my black folks in America: like, evaluate your stewardship. Like First Timothy tells us that um, if if we don't take care of our family, even in our home own household, then we are worse than unbelievers. And mm. so if I'm not thinking about how I'm taking care of my unbeliever, I'm sorry, the people in my household, then I'm really not allowing the faith that's supposed to transform me, transform me in a sense that I live different than an unbeliever.
1: Written from a Middle Eastern man. Facts. Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Black. So, you know, with that in mind, I'm reminded of what uh, one of Dr. King's uh, great quotes to me, he says, when we look at modern man, we have to face the fact that modern man suffers from a kind of poverty of the spirit. Remember those four mm. words, poverty of the spirit, which stands in glaring contest, contrast with the scientific and technological abundance. We've learned to fly through the air as birds. We've learned to swim as fish, yet we haven't learned to walk as brothers and sisters. Mm. Ooh, and when, when I read that quote, I am reminded that indeed Jesus said we're going to be known as we love one another. The world will see us as we love one another. Uh, You know, Mal, one of the things is uh, we, we aren't going to be known for the fact that we built brown churches and black churches and white churches. We're going to be known by how we love white, brown, black, Asian people. We're going to be known by how we love people. That's right. And uh, when I think about that, I remember that the red letters of Jesus told us in John 17 I pray that they will all be one. Mm. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. In other words, uh, Jesus and his red letters are saying to black people, Hispanic people, white people, Asian people, What he is saying is we are to be one as there is one God and three parts. Mm -hmm. We are to be grounded in that love. So with that in mind, as we get ready to wrap up today, uh, Mal, I want you to pray for us that we would learn how to bring uh, our folks to the table. And uh, before you pray, though, uh, Quran, give us one last thought as we try to wrap up today. And then, Mal, if you'll pray us out, we'll get ready to wrap up today's segment.
2: Listen, guys, You, we, we cannot do this uh, without you. This is not something that you just hear and be a hearer only. You know, we got to be doers mm. of the word of God. And so get out there this week and let's do that. You know, and then when we come back next week, look, we got a beam in our eye as a church. And so we're going to get to talk about, you know, the most segregated time of day. We're going to talk about the church's influence on race relations. And I'm telling you you want to send this off to somebody.
1: That's so good. Share this episode. Uh, I promise you, folks, this podcast was, wasn't designed for us to entertain folks. It truly is designed that we move the needle
0: uh, wow.
1: in America today. Mal, why don't you pray us out?
0: Before we pray, I just want to say something for my Latino uh, listeners. Guys, documents don't make you a better person, and Amen. not having documents doesn't make you a bad person. Amen. Keep working hard, my Latinos. Love That's you all. That's so good. Yep. Let's pray together. Father God, uh, we, this needs to work, and, and mm-hmm. it needs to begin with us. Yeah. Uh, we have, for years and, and decades, maybe centuries, we've been looking at the other group of people. When are they going to change? When are they going to be different? When are they going to stop this or that? Father, mm-hmm. uh, I think that we need to understand the question, when are we going to start Mm -hmm. being like you and that is the purpose of what we're doing here right now and of all the things that we're talking we want to encourage people to start doing what we're supposed to be doing as your body as people that have you inside of us would you please help us would you give us the strength would you give us the courage would you give us the the willingness and the ability to shut up when we need to shut up and Mm -hmm. to speak Mm -hmm. up when we need to speak up we love you, and I know that this is your will. We don't need to even ask. This is your will. It is all over the Bible. So can we please give us uh, the obedience to be willing and ready Amen. so that when you call, we can do, we can go, we can start, and, and, and this world will change. That is your promise, and we believe in it, and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Hey, Amen. as we go, I'm going to leave two stereotypes for y'all, and that is Quran, get back in the pool, and Mao. <laughs> All right, folks. Ah. Yeah, there you go. All right. Hey, we love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us on Race Forward, God and Race Relations. We'll see you back again next week. God
2: bless.